Good morning, everybody. My name is Alex. I'm the pastor here at, at Ridgeview, and I wanted to start actually just doing what, what that song um, commanded us to do, which is to praise him through all who blessings flow. And before you guys leave, you're a part of this and you didn't, you didn't know it, but uh, come stand kind of towards the front, guys, so we can we see you. Uh, for a, a long time, we've been planning the, the, the launch of, of this church, Ridgeview, and we had our first services back in October. Uh, but way before that, really over the past year, we've been praying for uh, somebody to lead worship. We started the church without really anyone playing uh, music um, or singing, and we've really had the blessing of churches that have come alongside us that we're a part of that have provided people for a service after service after service. And then uh, God answered our prayer. And uh, I want to introduce our, our new worship leader. This is Garrett Denbaugh. Let's give them a hand. And his wife, uh, Jenny. And uh, last Sunday um, was, was Easter, and that was his, like, first uh, service. You know, we just threw him in right there, just Easter. Um, that was his first service leading uh, as a part of Ridgeview. And so they're, they're part of, they were a part of Orange Crest Community Church, which is a sister church that actually got planted out of the same sending church that planted us. And so we're, we're just thankful for the, the connections, and, and we're so thankful for you, Garrett, and you, Jenny, uh, for stepping out in faith and deciding to come and be a part of what God's doing here in North Montana. And so as I was singing that song, um, I was praising God for the blessing of you guys. So thank you for listening to his leading. So thank you guys again. They didn't know I was gonna do that. And uh, the title of this series is Blindsided. So I'm just keeping with that theme of just letting people, they have no idea what's gonna happen. And so just get ready, guys. I'm gonna call you up uh, just one by one. Just kidding, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but we started the series last uh, week on uh, Easter, uh, talking about powerful emotions and experiences and circumstances that tend to hit us, uh, and we have no idea that, that they were coming. And we did it last week, kind of talking about this, this idea of cynicism, because I think we live in a time where it's easy to be cynical, and it's easy to think the worst about our situation, and it's easy even to think the worst about people. Uh, but we talked about how the resurrection of Christ provides hope where hope has been lost. And that happened a couple thousand years ago, and I believe that happens today. And so we, we looked at that kind of importance of a relationship with Christ and the hope of the resurrection, how that, that gives us hope in, in the middle of hard things. Today we're talking about disconnection, uh, th- this idea of being disconnected from God, how being disconnected from others, and how uh, it kind of hits us when, when we don't expect it. And the reason we don't expect it is because we live in a time where we're very connected. And I want to start off talking about a mixed blessing. And a mixed blessing is something that is good in some ways and then maybe bad or negative in in other ways. And I believe there's a mixed blessing in something probably all of us have. But how many of you have a cell phone today? Go, Go ahead and just pull it out. I want to see what kind of cell phones do you have? Don't, you know, just show them. I want to see them. Pull them out. And then just throw them on the ground. Just kidding. You know, you just don't, don't do that. Don't, you're really blindsided by that. But um, we, we all have them, uh, cell phones. And, you know, at the beginning of the service, we actually mentioned, you know, turning them off because it's, it's so easy to be distracted. And if you're like me, 
even during this service, there's a part of you that's gonna want to check that device that you just showed. Because I believe we live in a time where we're attached to technology, and technology has allowed us to be more productive than ever before. And that's the positive size of the blessing. But with all the productivity and apps and different resources that we have on our phone, uh, there's also things that distract us like never before. So what makes you productive also makes you distracted. Have you guys found that? Right? How many of you are like me that if somebody were to text you and you know the tone of your, the text that you have, or even if you hear it vibrate, how many of you have to fight the urge to check it right away? Right? It's kind of like the bat call, like the bat sign gets signed. You're like, they want me. They need me. And you're just, they're calling me. And, and there's just a sense of like, if you don't check it, you're missing this connection that, that somebody wants to get a hold of you for. And there's also this sense of we are able, because of technology, to be more connected to anyone ever. How many of you, because of social media, maybe it's Facebook, have connected with people that you went to elementary school with? Anybody been able to do that? I know I have. High school, junior high, college, right? All of us have, because of the blessing of technology, we've been able to connect with people from our past that we lost touch with, and that's certainly a blessing. But how many of you have been distracted by somebody far away, by somebody close? And what I'm saying is, is have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you get a text, and before you're realizing it, you're reading that text as somebody is talking to you? Have you ever done that? And that's the opposite side. So we can connect to more people than ever, but on the other side, we can totally disconnect from the people up close. And I think that's the mixed blessing of technology. And here's a sense of what I've seen in my own life and in those that I love and through church and ministry and just in the culture in general. I think we live in a time where we are more connected than ever. I believe that. We're more connected than ever, but we're also more alone. And I really believe that. That is the definition of a mixed blessing. And I think that's part of what technology does. And the reason that we've never felt more alone is because I think we're blindsided by that. There's a sense of the more technology we have, the more people that we're connected with near and far, it feels like that that should kind of allow us to feel like we're a part of groups, that we're a part of people's lives. But through technology alone, it's, it's somewhat shallow. It's not exactly real. And so I wanna kind of highlight just how, how this plays out. And I wanna show a video uh, for you. But before I do that, I wanna show some images. See, see if you've seen this. You, you go out to a restaurant. You ever seen that? Now, you don't have to acknowledge this, but have you ever done that? I, I, you know, I, I have. There's times where you go out to eat and you can see people all on their phones. And then as you see people on their phones, you're like, what, what are they looking at? There's some like breaking news that I need to know. Like all of a sudden you kind of feel like you're missing out. And so it cues you. We all cue each other. You know, you're sitting in a place waiting maybe to get to a restaurant. If everyone's looking on their phones, what do you start to do? That's a good idea. Like I'm not just gonna stare at everyone staring at their phones. I'll stare at mine. And so we actually cue each other. But you see this a lot. Here's another one that I see. This is one of my, my favorites. Like out together, and what if they're texting each other? 
Like, how, how's your burger? But they're not saying it. They're actually just texting. And I say that because it sounds kind of absurd, but, but we find this. Friends, shoulder to shoulder, that in another time you think they're hanging out together, but these people may not actually be hanging out at all. They're in the same space, but they may not be connecting. But I think those people, and I think us, you think that, that you are. Because if you're in a room with another person, you feel like you're connecting. But what we're going to talk about today is, is that kind of blind side of we're so connected, but yet we feel a little isolated. We feel a little alone. And if you, you feel like that, I, I believe that we all do to some degree because the world has changed and we're trying to kind of catch up with how technology has changed that. I want to show a brief uh, video from a TED Talk that a professor at MIT did. Her name is Shelley Turkle. And she has studied... Uh, the, the ramifications of technology and being connected on a global scale, what that's done to our relationships up close, like in home life, at school, in our friendship circles. And she's done a lot of research. And she wrote a book um, there on the screen, Alone Together. And her tagline is, why do we expect more from technology and less from each other? Very interesting, right? We want new phones. We want apps to update. And we're always expecting the technology to come through for us, and that slowly moved us away from the connection to others. And so she's done a lot of research of this. But let's watch this video together. She kind of talks about some of these ramifications. I'm still excited by technology, but I believe, and I'm here to make the case, that we're letting it take us places that we don't want to go. Over the past 15 years, I've studied technologies of mobile communication, and I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, young and old, about their plugged-in lives. And what I've found is that our little devices, those little devices in our pockets, are so psychologically powerful that they don't only change what we do, they change who we are. Some of the things we do now with our devices are things that only a few years ago we would have found odd or disturbing, but they've quickly come to seem familiar, just how we do things. So just to take some quick examples, people text or do email during corporate board meetings. They text and shop and go on Facebook during classes, during presentations, actually during all meetings. People talk to me about the important new skill of making eye contact while you're texting. (laughs) People explain to me that it's hard, but that it can be done. Parents text and do email at breakfast and at dinner while their children complain about not having their parents' full attention, but then these same children deny each other their full attention. This is a recent shot of my daughter and her friends being together while not being together. (laughs) And we even text at funerals. I study this. We remove ourselves from our grief or from our reverie, and we go into our phones. Why does this matter? It matters to me because I think we're setting ourselves up for trouble. Trouble certainly in how we relate to each other, but also trouble in how we relate to ourselves, in our capacity for self-reflection. 
We're getting used to a new way of being alone together. Kind of interesting. And, and I think what, what she's done is she has devoted really a lot of years in her research as a professor at MIT to really looking at where, where is this taking us? And I believe for us, uh, e- even as I, I listen to her and even in my own life, I don't think I fully comprehend the impact of, of technology. Now, I'm not going to spend the rest of my message talking about, you know, at Ridgeview, we don't believe in phones. You know, that's not, that's not my goal. But I, I do want to show how the disconnection that we all feel a lot of times is sped up by technology and it's sped up by things that we're connected to in social media. And I think we all know that because we, we experience that. But what I, I want to spend our time doing is, is talk about how that, that feeling of being alone together, or that feeling of being isolated or not belonging, there's actually steps that we can take. So if, if you're here today and you kind of feel that way, you just feel a little disconnected, you feel a little, uh, maybe there's people in your life that are so connected to technology and you're not. And it feels like it's impacting your relationships and there's frustration there. Uh, my hope is that we can look together at what, what are the steps that we can do if we've been blindsided by this? If we, you know, although all the connections we have, what, what do we do to combat that feeling of uh, aloneness? And, and some things that, that Turkle says that I thought is interesting. She says, I'm not anti-technology, I'm pro-conversation. And I believe that is something that I can kind of get my hands around. That, that's really what I want to be about, connecting and interacting with people in a real way. Because I think that's, that's what we want. They've, they've also done some studies that, that shows when, when people are plugged into technology on a regular basis, their empathy actually drops for people because you, you become less personable. And people in, end up impacting the world that you're creating. You want to focus on reading this. You want to focus on texting this. You want to focus on sharing this. And when people interact with your lives, even your own kids, they're now preventing you from doing something that you want to do. And so your empathy for the people that you love even goes down the more you're connected. And they've done studies that remove technology for a period of five days and allow people to not connect to it. And you actually have to do studies where it's removed. You, like, you can't make the choice because it's so difficult in this day and age. But as they've removed that from people for five days, they've actually studied and the empathy just rises back up again because you're actually seeing people. You're seeing their circumstances. You're hearing them. You're engaging. And all this is human nature. And all this is actually going back to the way that God has designed us to be. And so I want to kind of spend the rest of our time looking at how, how do we get back there. And so God offers a lasting solution to our disconnection. And you find this in the pages of, of Scripture. And I want to go back to the beginning in Genesis, the first book, and God created man. And this is what it says. It says, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So this is the first account of human beings. Adam, Adam was created. And God had a personal connection and a personal relationship with Adam, the first being. He spoke to him. There was an interaction. As soon as God breathed life into Adam and as soon as we all are born on this earth, we have God's breath in us. Life comes from him. So we're here because God put us here. So we're connected to him as, as our maker. And so God 
created man, man became a living being, and God and man began to relate. This is right at the beginning. So as we feel disconnected, the first disconnection that often we feel, without even realizing it, is at times a disconnection that we have between us and God. We may not be able to put our finger on that. There's a sense in which we're not whole. We're not complete. We're maybe not all put together because God created us to relate to him. And in the early pages of Scripture, you see that, that God directed and led and provided boundaries for man out of protection, out of love, out of direction. And this is what he says in Genesis 2, 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And so God didn't just leave man alone. He's relating to man and he's providing some boundaries. Stay within these boundaries. This is a, a loving father. Provides boundaries for life. Stay in here and here's protection. You've got freedom except for this. And God began to lead and they began to relate. And so everything God was creating was good, but it was not good for man to be alone. And he says that in the next section. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So we're made to connect That's why disconnection and isolation and loneliness are so powerful because they actually go against the way that God created us. So first, God created us to relate to him in a personal way, have a relationship with him. But even more than that, he created other humans for us to have companionship with. Specifically, he created marriage. And you see that in the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And he said, it's not It's not good for this man to be alone. I'm relating to him. I'm connecting with him, but there's something else. There's this human connection that people need to have. And so God's seeing that this isn't complete. It's not completely good. And so then he creates Eve, and it became good. So there's something of this connection that that made things uh, complete again. Well, we know the story, and if you, you don't, the next two chapters after this describe how Remember how God led and directed and said, don't do this. You could do anything but this. And what did the humans do? They did the one thing that God said to not. And this just shows our will and our rebellion against God. And ever since they ate off the tree that God said they shouldn't, sin entered the world. And this was really the first disconnection that existed. God had created this relationship between him and the man and woman, Adam and Eve, and it was good. And Adam and Eve's relationship was good. There was a wholeness that existed. There was a beauty that existed in the world. And then they decided to rebel, to do their own thing. And sin entered, and it broke their relationship with God, and it broke their relationship with each other. And so the disconnection, the isolation, the shame, the guilt, the need to hide when we mess up, it entered the world. And from the beginning of time, after that moment, it it shattered all of our relationships. So we're connected because God created us and he breathed life in us in the same way. We're, We're connected to this same problem. I don't know about you, but I've experienced relationships that get strained. And I I don't see eye to eye with a person. 
and I've experienced wrong done to me, and I've done wrong to others, and they get fragmented. And you pull away from people, and they pull away from you, and you find yourself disconnected. I've also done things that I know I regret, and I, I have shame in my relationship with God. I look back on my past, and I look, and I say, oh, man, why did I do that? And there's this wall that exists between me and God where I, I think I have to maybe make myself feel bad enough for a certain amount of time before I can come back to God. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, I just have to beat myself up so I feel low enough that then I can approach God. That's a part of this brokenness and the disconnection that we feel between us and God. We feel like we have to prove ourselves again. But the good news is the solution that God created in the beginning, even when it messed up, he, from that moment, worked another solution for us to connect back to him. And so the solution is found in the beginning of time, but then it's redeemed through the person of Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrated last week in Easter. So the first step to connect back to God is you connect with God through Jesus. Check out this passage in Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So this is describing everyone who has sin in their life, which is all of us. And it's saying that everyone who is far away, which was all of us because of sin, can now be brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. Because of our sin, we now are in debt to God. We, we have done wrong. And there's this wall of hostility that exists because he said, don't break these boundaries. And we said, I kind of want to, and I'm going to, and I'm going to go my own way. And now this wall of hostility, we went against what our father said. We went against creator God. And he knew we couldn't make that right, so he sent his son to pay the price. And so it's through his blood that once we were far, we've been brought near. That is the picture of disconnection. When you're disconnected, you could be in a room full of people, but you feel distant. You feel completely alone. And what that professor from MIT is trying to figure out is how that can be, and I believe it's because ultimately we're disconnected from God. That's the first thing. But we can reconnect through Jesus and the blood that he shed for us. And then it goes on, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Here he's talking specifically about groups of people. So in this passage, you see the connection that can be made again through Christ, we can connect to God because the penalty's been paid. We don't owe God if we turn to Jesus. He's paid the penalty for us. And then it's also describing that between the two, the dividing wall, it's talking about Jews and Greeks, those who were of the people of God, the Israelites and everyone else. And so now, even though we're disconnected and walled off from people, we can experience unity and actually community with those as well. And that comes through Christ. So he is the bridge back to God personally, and he's the bridge back to healthy relationships with people. If you've never committed your life to Christ, this is the first step in feeling connected again. You could have meaningful relationships, you could have a ton of people in community, but if you've not connected to God through Christ, there's still going to be an emptiness. And this is what people are searching for in the world. How, despite all these things that I do, how do I still feel like there's a void? And that's because God made you, 
who relate to you. God made you to know you. And so if you don't know God and you don't have a relationship with him through Christ, that's something that, that we want to help you with. And so you can mark on your connection card, contact me about following Jesus. I want to know what, what that means. So that's the first thing. The solution, I need to connect back to God, my maker. Go back to the reason for which I was made, to know God and to be known by God. The second is also helpful to deal with our disconnection. That's to engage with those around you, to actually interact, to actually have relationships. Ecclesiastes 4 is written by uh, King Solomon, and he had unlimited resources, and he went on a search for the meaning of life. Like, what's this life all about? And here he's written some things that I think are actually very perceptive. He says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun, and he says this a lot. I saw this, it was meaningless. I saw this, it was meaningless, and then he describes it. So you want to slow down and pick up what he's saying, because a man with unlimited resources, who was the wisest person that ever lived, wants to tell us something. And this is what he says. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, to his work. He just had work and work and work. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So from his work, he got wealth, but he wasn't content with it. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless and miserable business. So this idea is this man has worked hard, and he's given himself to his work, and because of it, he's gotten a lot of wealth. And he's poured his time into his work, and he's gotten wealth from it. And he looks around, and he's like, who, who can I enjoy this with? And Solomon's saying, this, this is meaningless for you to do all that work to gain something and have nobody to share it with. What a pity. And then he goes on, and he says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This verse actually, this is a little inside information. This verse has a lot of meaning to me. Because on April 20th, 1999, I asked my girlfriend, who's now my wife, if she'd be my girlfriend. And I busted out Ecclesiastes 4, <laughs> 9 through 10, on Mount Rubido in Riverside. And I took her up there, And I said, here's the deal. I don't want to be alone. And I'd like to do some life with you. And at that time, I didn't know if we were going to get married. I sure kind of was hoping. But this is what I was saying. Like, us together is better than me alone. Now, inside, I was like, please don't make me alone. You know, I was saying that. But I didn't say that. I'm still trying to play it cool. But 20 years ago, this was my, my sense. And now 20 years later, It's been true. Thank you for that. That's right. And it can be true for all of us. There's a sense that life is not meant to be lived alone. And the picture that that Solomon is saying is, is if you fall down and no one is there, how miserable is that? And if that's how you feel, that is not how God wants your life to go. He wants you to engage with those around you. And so one of the things you can do is you can just pray that God will provide people in your life that you can connect with. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about how he wants our church to do that. But first, I wanna just give some pointers. Engaging with those around you, I think this is actually something we have to relearn. Do you know when I go to places, the local coffee shop, 
and I talk to the people working there and I make eye contact, do you know there's something happening there that they don't know what to do with? Do you realize we live in a time where people don't make eye contact with each other anymore? Hi, I would like to, and they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a little too intense. You're looking at me. Well, I just would like to, we have a mobile order. You can, you know, it's the sense of like you're, just human interaction is a lost art. I mean, it's crazy for me to say that, but it's so true. Talking with people, making eye contact with people is actually one of the most beneficial things that, that we can do with, with those around us. But to do that, to engage, we have to disengage. So here's just some pointers. This isn't on your handout if you're taking notes, but it's up here on the PowerPoint. So here's some things if you want to engage with those around you. First thing, shut off tech at dinner, okay? Whether you're eating with friends or family, if you're eating alone, shut off tech. Because you know, you could learn something from looking around. You may see someone, especially if you're eating out. Now, nobody wants to eat out by themselves, right? And, you know, you feel like, well, I don't have a friend, but I have a phone. Do You know, sometimes if you're alone and you're not on your phone, you could see opportunities that you would not see. Somebody to connect with, somebody to talk to, somebody to encourage. Shut off tech at dinner. When in the car with someone, put your phone away and be present. Now, I'm coming across as like really, like I'm fired up about this. I'm preaching this to myself, okay? Like these are my own notes for me. But like when you're in the car, like what if you actually talk to the people you're in with? Isn't that crazy? But that's how you engage. Uh, third, use the do not disturb and turn off notifications regularly. What if you made it a point, like when you got home from work from 6 p.m. or whenever you get home to 9 p.m., you did not let your phone talk to you? Could you imagine? Like, the world would explode. But what, what would that mean? It would actually mean that you wouldn't know anything and all you'd have is the people that are with you. And so maybe try that. Here's another one. Charge your phone away from your bed. So just put the phone in another room at a certain time, like maybe at 9 p.m. Just decide, like, my phone is not a, where I am. I'm going to engage with those people around me. This, this right here is bed right there. Just in case you're like, what, what is it? It's right there. So char- charge it away. So, so these are some things that you can to disengage, but once you disengage, then you'll be like, oh, this is so weird. I have so much time. What do I do? Then you engage in the here and now. Here's some things. This is crazy. At home, play board games with each other. Try that. Just, what would that do? Little shoots and ladders. Is that still around? Checkers. Catan. Okay, now I'm, okay, but, oh yeah, that one. Oh, the Pictionary, just you know, get a piece of paper. Guess this, Hangman. What's that one? Tic-tac-toe. Thank you. I didn't know what that was called. But, but actually, like, engage with people. If you, you, you play games together, you, you can actually have, have fun. You can enjoy. Uh, when running errands, any of you just want to run errands to get away from people? I just, I, I just got to get out of the house to run errands, and I understand that could be the case. But when running errands, one of the ways you can engage with people is to take them with you. This is true of your kids. This is true of your friends. 
That's how you like multiply your time. I'm going to do this with you. Um, Pick a night when you can invite someone to dinner. Invite somebody over. You're probably not going to invite that person over and both of you are going to be on your phones. So when you invite somebody over, you're actually saying like, I'd like to talk with you, connect with you. We, We live in a time of that just, you don't know what to do with that. And then the last is like, walk your neighborhood. Walk your neighborhood and don't take your phone. And what that means is there might be neighbors that you see that you might have to interact with. You get what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm not trying to, to be cute about this, but I believe this, this almost seems like this is a time that we no longer know. Like this doesn't exist much anymore. I coached my son uh, this past season in soccer, and one of my goals was I wanted to connect with the parents at the soccer practice. Nobody talked to each other. Everyone was on their phone. Not only are they not seeing their kids play, but they're missing out on adult connection, which they probably don't have. And so what it is is we have trained ourselves to actually be disconnected people without realizing it. And that, that scares me because this, this is me, me too. And so what happens is we're, we're with a group of people and then we get notifications, and then we, we want to share, and we want to capture. And they've done studies on this, and people actually no longer are seeing beautiful things anymore with their own eyes. They're seeing it through their phone, like something you'll never see again, and it's not directly in your eyes. And I feel that. Because if I see something like, man, this, i got to capture it. But then, like, what if I actually saw it with my own eyes? It could be a beautiful thing. But we, we've lived in a time where that's almost like, if you don't capture it, it didn't happen. If you don't post it, it didn't happen. I can't even walk now without getting credit for my steps. If I'm not wearing my, my little counter, I didn't walk. <laughs> right? You guys know what I'm saying. If your Fitbit was off, it didn't count. If your Apple Watch is off, it didn't count. We live in this time. It's, it's, we're fully trained. So we have, we have to fight this, and so we have to actually slow down. Dallas Willard said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The hurry to check, the hurry to get notified, the hurry to post, all of the hurry brings us away from the people that we have opportunity to connect with. And so we have to, we have to ruthlessly try to eliminate this, and that's why I gave you some, some suggestions. The last thing, so first, we, we have to connect with, with God through Jesus. That's how we're made whole again. That's the first thing. That's how you get connected. The second, you have to engage with those around you. If you're di- disconnected, you, you take the initiative to do that. It's so easy to want to wait for people to do it to us, but you can be the initiator. See what God does. And then the third is help build community within the church. I want to invite uh, Brandon Tucker up right now. And there's a lot more I could say about this, but I've said enough. And so what I'd like to do is I just want to interview Brandon really quickly as we close out the service because Brandon has actually lived what we're talking about. And here at Ridgeview, the reason we started this community is because we want to reach people that are disconnected from God. The reason we started this community is because we want to create a community where it doesn't exist, 
where they can not only connect to God, but they connect with a group of people as well. And those that are disconnected can now be made, made whole again. That, that's why we're here. That's why we started a new church. And so I just want to ask Brandon a couple questions that highlight how God has worked this out in his life, because I believe his story is the picture of, of what, what I'm talking about. So, so Brandon, you came uh, to our, our very first service uh, back in October, and but, you know, before that, that time, you, you had your life and you were, you were living it. Why don't you describe a little bit about what your life was like when you first started coming to, to Ridgeview? So my life was just day in and day out the same thing. It was wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep, wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep. Um, and there was nothing there. It was like a hole in my life. Um, I mean, we moved to Fontana like January of uh, 2018. Um, we moved here to have a better life, better schools for my son. And, um, you know, you can only do so much, and then you feel like there's still this hole, this emptiness there. Okay. So you, so you were, as you describe it, like in the, the grind of life, grinding it out, and what you're hoping for, and it's not really happening. And then you you come come to Ridgeview to our, to our first service. And... From there, what I remember you sharing is, is you wanted to, to experience what we were talking about. You, you're not from a church background. You, you weren't a Christian. And so kind of describe what happened when you, you first came and then what, what led you to decide to, to follow Jesus, connect with God through him? So first what drove me to Ridgeview is I was in my driveway and I was washing my car. And um, I don't know, we still can't figure out who it was, but uh, somebody came to my house and they handed me a door hanger. I, th- I think it might have been Joel, but I'm not 100%. Um, I immediately looked at this door hanger and I ran inside and I told my wife and I said, I, I think this is a sign. <laughs> at the time... Uh, we just found out my wife was pregnant, and uh, from that moment forward, we came here to Ridgeview, and um, Ridgeview's helped fill that that emptiness. Yeah, and so you came and you saw, okay, this was a sign, like God, God got your attention, and it was like he was drawing yeah. you to, to himself. And then in December, you, you decided to become a Christian, and you, you gave your life over to him. And, you know, even before that, that time, you, you began to really plug in and serve. And so you experienced this, okay, this void, this grind, and then you decided, I, I want to, God's getting my attention for a reason, and you kept seeing it, and you decided to dedicate your life to him. And then since that moment, and even before that, you, you really plugged into the community here, and you began serving and, and getting involved. Why don't you just share, what, it, what does that look like for you, and, and how has God used that to help, help you? So seeing the community and everybody working towards something and for something that's above and beyond them and in their life, and all having that, that same goal of helping and serving has just brought 
a whole new meaning to my life of being able to help and serve and, and see that there's more to life than just going to work and, and doing your normal routine. There, there's, I've never had that feeling before. It's always seemed like you can strive and you can do, but there's still nothing there. And this has given an, a new meaning for me um, to not only just, you know, serve God, but to be able to lead my family in a way that is meaningful in life. Thank you for sharing, bro. Give him a hand. Thank you. What, what you don't know is that about 9.35 this morning, I asked Brandon if he would do that. And so when I said I blindside people, that sometimes does happen. But as I was, before the message, I thought, now I'm going to get choked up, bro. Come on. Um, what, I, what I thought was like this, this is his life. Like what I'm describing, that, that's what God did in Brandon. And that's what God does in all of us. We get to the point where we realize we're disconnected and we have to connect back to God. And we look at Jesus and we said, that is the way, that is the truth, that's the life. That's the way back to how God made me. And then once you enter into that relationship with, with Christ, reality now changes. The way you see things changes and you, you enter into a new world you did not know. And Brandon and his family and many others have entered into this stream of this community, what we wanted to build, and God's been bringing people, and lives are changing. And they're not changing because of what we're doing. They're changing because God wants to know them, and he loves them, and he wants us to provide that for others. And so I just want to close with a, a few next steps. And pull out your connection card that, that Joel had you uh, begin to fill out and finish, finish filling that. And the band's going to come up and we're going to receive our offering in a moment. And you just finish filling that out. And you can drop that connection card uh, into the offering as, as that goes by. But there's just a few next steps I, w- I want you to take today. The, the first one is a connect group. So I, I asked you to pull out your connection card and then the connect group. We use a lot of connect verbiage here. And it can sound very cliche. But again, the reason we do that is because we want disconnected people to, to be connected. And so we're starting in May, on May, uh, like the second week in May, we're starting these new groups called Connect Groups. And in these groups, we want people to experience what we've described, a way for them to grow in their relationship with God, no matter where you are, and a way for you to begin to build friendships with people. Again, you can do the same thing you've done and you're gonna experience the same results. But to actually be a part of relationships means it, it does cost you time. But I believe if you invest that time in the right things, God will actually reward that. And so we're starting these groups in May and they're just gonna meet four times. And the idea is we know people have a lot going on. There's summer about to start and everything. But I believe if you give four weeks to connecting with a group of people, God will use that to bless you. I believe that. And so if you write connect group on your connection card, I'll get in touch with you. And we'd love to connect with you. And we're gonna talk about this message series in the group. This idea of being blindsided and talk about it within a group of people. And we'll have some fun together and we'll, we'll get to know each other. And so write that uh, on there. And then the second, and this is 
something that you can do today practically. After service, we're going to have a picnic. We're not doing this. I, I do not need a picnic for my own life. Like, I'm not making this, like, I love picnics, but Alex doesn't need a picnic. We need it, though, as a church. And so after church, I encourage you, come to the picnic. Even if you didn't RSVP, it doesn't matter. We have enough chicken. We have, we're doing a church picnic with chicken, fried chicken, okay? But what we're doing is, is this idea of we want to build relationships, and it's so hard. On a Sunday, everyone's serving and running, and, you know, but if you take a couple hours, if you take one hour and you can get to know somebody, God will use that to bless you. And God will use you to bless someone else. And so come, come to the picnic. And then the last next step, and this is for you personally, and only you can decide to do this. I listed a lot of ideas to disengage from technology. And then I gave some ideas of how to engage. There's a blank space on the next steps of that connection card. I encourage you, this next week, take a challenge to disengage from technology. What, what is it that you could do? Is it to turn off your notifications during certain hours? Is it to invite somebody over? Is it to play a game where you're not watching TV or you're not on your phones and you're actually interacting? I don't know. But, but decide to, to do that and just see what, see what happens. See if it actually kind of was like, oh, that was really enjoyable. So just write, write that on there as well. I'm gonna pray and ask God to help us as we take these steps. Let's pray together. God, we, we do thank you for the lives that you're changing and you stepped into our world and you sent Jesus to connect us back to you. You took the initiative for us and you want us to respond. And so God, just help us to be connecting with you regularly through reading the scripture, through praying, through turning our attention to you. We really do need to do that first. We need to connect with you. Second, God, um, just show us some ways that we can engage and connect with people uh, in our circles at work or our neighborhoods. And then, you know, even here at church, help us to be people who take initiative and take a risk to get to know people, to bless people, to ask people how they're doing and, and actually wait to listen. God, we, we thank you for the community that you're building. We ask you that you'll continue to grow our love for each other. We ask that you'll continue to grow our faith as we extend ourselves for your kingdom. Thank you again for providing Garrett and Jenny as they lead worship for us. Thank you for your provision and the way you always look out for us. We love you, God, and we need you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.